The following is a production of JSC Media. Stay, Stay ready. ready. You're listening to the People's Podcast. I was honest. Was I brutally honest? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that that's the problem. Everybody's so scared to be honest with one another. This is JSC Radio. I wanted nothing to do with anybody just from the second that I woke up. Um, and I had no reason for it. That was what was one of the biggest clues to me that something was wrong and I needed to fix it. I was just in this terrible mindset where I was restless and angry and frustrated and just felt like I couldn't do anything right. I was an uncaring spouse, that I wasn't a good parent, that I wasn't showing up for my kids, that I was invisible in my job. You know, I just felt like everything in the world was against me. And I know that sounds really self-pitying and it is, but it's, it's what I felt. That was one of the worst days of my entire life. In fact, it may be the worst day that I can remember having. It was supposed to be this awesome day of, you know, horse racing and margaritas, because it was also Cinco de Mayo that day. They coincided that year. It was supposed to be this really fun day, and I <laughs> all over it because I felt like crap. You're listening to The People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, of all ages hey now how's everyone doing my name is jay scott smith and this is the 115th episode of the people's podcast this is jay scott confidential better known as j s c radio how's everyone doing welcome once again my friends to the podcast that never flipping ends it just keeps evolving and changing and pretty much that's just the way everything seems to be these days it's constantly evolving and changing and not always for the better i want to thank each and every one of you supports us across all the different podcast providers here's it's time for that roll call apple podcasts itunes on soundcloud and stitcher on iHeartRadio and Castbox, on tune in and overcast on radio.com Podchaser, and of course as always on Spotify. Be sure to hit us up on YouTube as well. Bit.ly slash JSCTube. The conversation, at least part of the conversation we're having with this week's guest, a familiar voice to those of you who've listened to this podcast before, will be up on the YouTube page as soon as possible. I want to also, of course, shout out my man Awesome Jones, whose track Blue Chucks you hear brings us in every single episode we every time we do this show now you hear blue chucks to start the show of course the homie doc illingsworth Illingsworth. yes indeed is the man who handles pretty much all the business of all the other music you hear on this soundtrack on this soundtrack on this podcast it ain't a soundtrack if this were a movie it would have a soundtrack even though these ain't the 90s no more i want to thank y'all again for supporting me of course you can follow me on social media at j scott smith that's j-a-y-s-c-o two t's s-m-i-t-h of course i am also on instagram under the same name of course Unfortunately, I'm not verified on Instagram. I am verified on Twitter, though. And, of course, you can also follow the show across all forms of social media at JSC Radio. All right, damn it. Our guest this week, as you heard there in the intro, our guest this week is a voice that's very familiar to those of you who've listened to this show before and were listening to this podcast just nine months ago, Katie Fellinger who left CBS3 here in Philadelphia 
late last fall, late in the month of September. A week later, I ended up talking to her for episode 102, and it became the highest downloaded episode in the history of the show. And it was one of the most popular episodes of the show. I like to refer to that episode as the proverbial no-hitter. It's like the no-hitter thrown by a pitcher. It's just a masterpiece start to finish. Go back and listen to 102 after you hear this episode. Don't leave us now. you got to hear this one out now. But also, this show got over real well on YouTube. Both the long-form version of the interview and the shorter best-of cuts are all on the interview. Or all on the interview. They're all on the YouTube page. I'm a little tongue-tied and a little flustered. I apologize for this. But... It's all on the YouTube, bit.ly slash JSCTube. Go back and check that out. In fact, the link to the clip from that will also be dropped down low in the description. So it's been a hell of a last few weeks since I joined Jaws. Mid-June, so it's been almost a month. Normally, I try to get these out every two weeks. But thanks to a certain uh, delivery company that wears brown suits, I wasn't able to get this thing done as quickly as I would prefer. You know who you are. And... I am just now able to get to this, and wouldn't you know who won the friggin' pony? COVID has pretty much made a disturbing comeback. I'm not going to take long on this. You selfish assholes, wear your masks. Wear your masks. As the YouTube video I did said, wash your damn hands. Wear your mask. I've never seen a bunch of people. I've just never thought... I would live in a country, and I've known, I mean, I've been in America my whole life. I was born in the United States. I'm an American citizen, whether they like it or not. I've been in this country my whole damn life. I've always heard how selfish and stupid and ignorant Americans are. Not that I've really ever been able to dispute it, but it's never been on more fuller display than what we've seen in the year 2020. We've got to be living in the most ignorant, stupidest timeline in this country's history. And one has to understand that this country's been stupid for a very long time. COVID-19 should not still be whipping our ass like it is. It's still going to be around. We knew that. It shouldn't be kicking the crap out of us. Shouldn't be. We shouldn't still be having this conversation that we thought we were starting to get on the other side of. But we are. Because of the rampant and wanton ignorance, selfishness, and stupidity of this country. Put your damn mask on, you fucking morons. Put your mask on. Oh, but it's my freedom. What about freedom? Your freedom. You want freedom? Put the mask on. Put your mask on. You dodo birds don't seem to understand that the more you wear masks, the more freedom you get because we'll be able to legitimately reopen restaurants, which were open way too soon, reopen bars, which were open way too soon, put people in crowds at sporting events where that, ah, oh, I forgot, WWE did something that's stupid. It, It happened way too soon. Stop being selfish. They're trying to cram kids into schools. I teach at a university, Lincoln University of Pennsylvania. That's where I record a lot of these episodes. I teach at a university, an HBCU no less. I teach. That means I get to be in rooms with these students. Now, I'm not in there with little kids. So teaching in elementary school, middle school, high school, that's a different deal. I teach in college. And the idea that I would have to try to cram a bunch of college students into a classroom in about a month and a half, pretty scary thought. 
Not something I'm exactly keen on doing. Probably not going to do. Because COVID, this ain't the flu. Dr. Jennifer Caudill and I established that a long time ago. Go back and check that out on the YouTube page, by the way. It's also episode 110 here on the podcast feed. COVID's not the flu. It's not a common cold. It's not even the chicken pox or the mumps. Those things, actually all but the cold, has a vaccine. It's different. It's scary. It hits everybody in a different way. And if you want to be able to go on your precious little vacations, if you want to go on your little trips, you want to have your little brunches, you want to do all the bullshit you regularly do, put your damn mask on. Think about someone other than yourself. Hell, think of yourself. Put the mask on. Oh, but I have a hard time breathing. Bullshit. You should have stopped smoking years ago. Put the mask on. I haven't seen my coworkers in two and a half, three months. I actually work in a place where I like a majority of the people I work with. I ain't seen them in months. I have to sneak onto a campus where there's nobody here in the summertime, where at least normally there'd be people working in offices. There's nobody in these buildings. Everybody's at home. It's the middle of July. You can't go out to a concert or some sort of party in Philadelphia or New York City or Detroit. Do we even want to talk about what the hell's going on down there in Florida and Texas? The ones who wanted to mock and preen and make fun of the East Coast states, and now y'all are getting it three times as bad down there. I got a cousin who's about to start a television job down in Houston. I'm scared to death of what the hell could happen to her down there. Wear your damn mask and shut the up. Just do it. It's not about freedom. It's not about this trying to be a fake tough guy. It's amazing how many of these so-called tough guys don't want to put a mask on. Ooh, to make me feel constrained. Shut up and put it on. It's amazing how many of these school systems are willing to send kids back into classrooms making these votes on Zoom meetings. You think it's okay to put a bunch of kids in a classroom, but you can't even get together in the same room to make the vote on it. F off. I'm through playing games. I'm through being nice. COVID is kicking the crap out of all of us, and it would be so much easier if you weren't so damn selfish, to quote the late Owen Hart. Why do you have to be so damn selfish? Do what's right. Put the mask on. These stores shouldn't have to tell you to wear one. And I'm tired of seeing these videos of people throwing fucking temper tantrums because they're told to put a mask on. Put a mask on or get the hell out. One or the other. Think about someone other than yourself for once. We got enough problems going on in this country. Racism and racial tensions are at an all-time high. We got reckonings in every kind of business Every, every company in the country, the industry I'm in, journalism and media is finally having some long overdue come to Jesus meetings on race. We got enough problems we got to deal with in this country. But for <laughs> sake, put a mask on, dum-dum. You bozos won't put on masks. Just put a mask on. It's not a political statement. It's a life statement. Put the damn thing on and shut the <laughs> up and listen to scientists, listen to doctors, Leave Dr. Fauci alone. He's the only one out here who seems to know his his ass from his elbow about this thing. This is foolishness. We shouldn't be here. Let's get this over with. We got so many places we could be. And I'd much prefer to be in a happy place. And that's where we're about to go with our guest, Katie Fellinger. Coming up after the break, we will talk for the second time on this podcast. She's the third repeat guest. Joining Jasmine Duke and Dr. Jennifer Call. It's Katie Fellinger. 
here to talk about her new book and so much more from her own happy place. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 115th episode of The People's Podcast. This is Jay Scott Confidential, better known as JSC Radio. Put on your damn mask and come back and join us after this. You're listening to The People's Podcast. I'm not going to be responsible for what happens next. This is JSC Radio. Hey now, Jay Scott Smith here. Of course, you know, I am the host of JSC Radio, which you have heard on Stitcher from the very beginning. Because in case a lot of you don't remember, Stitcher was the first major podcast platform to pick up my show. And now they want to give something back to each and every one of you listeners on Stitcher. Introducing Stitcher Premium. You can listen to some of your favorite shows ad free, mind you. With Stitcher Premium for only $4.99 a month or, if you prefer, $34.99 a year. You can get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and so much more. Listen to shows like the Fantasy Footballers ad-free. Or you can get shows like Dunk on Basketball and, of course, JSC Radio. Simply go to Stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today. That's Stitcher.com slash premium premium to sign up today and when you go there drop in the promo code jsc and get you one free month of stitcher premium don't ever say i ain't do nothing for y'all remember it's stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today and get one month free by dropping that promo code jsc it's just that simple baby get on stitcher premium right now and you can get the best in podcasting Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus, so we should all stay home to lower the risk for everyone. More info at coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. You're listening to The People's Podcast. You can't say F you to your granddaughter? I just did, Morty. Here's dessert. F*** you. This is J.S.C. Radio. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. This is the 115th episode of the People's Podcast. This is J. Scott Confidential, better known as J.S.C. Radio. Welcome back. J. Scott Smith here, and we are once again welcoming in another illustrious guest, except this one is a returning champion, one Katie Fellinger. Now, you recall, episode 102, she joined us last fall in September of 2019, shortly after she left her job at CBS 3 Eyewitness News here in Philadelphia. She'd been there for five years, but she had been largely miserable, like miserable was not happy and she explained a lot of that to us in episode 102 but now nine months later she's embarked on life after television and that has included her first book she talked about it briefly on episode 102 but now it has fully come to fruition the book is entitled my happy place where she lays out her diy roadmap to authentic personal bliss how she was able to beat down roadblocks to make her path its most joyous it was also a combination of a memoir as well we'll talk about that book that's due to come out on july 22nd plus we also get into just what life after tv news is like for our good friend katie fellinger so strap yourself in this is the 115th episode of the people's podcast this is j scott confidential better known as jsc radio and let's get down to business with our conversation with our friend, 
Miss Katie Felling. This is a presentation of JSC Media. The last time I spoke with you, we were sitting in your backyard. Yes. In your lovely backyard. And this was in the world pre-COVID. So mm-hmm. being, right. being unable to do it that way. But now I just think this is so cool that we're able to do this again because to be able to talk to you now what will be about nine months later and just that to sounds see, right and you've got the book out because we talked about that book in our last conversation and those of you remember episode 102 which is something i've talked about is kind of like i and i've jokingly told katie this episode 102 for me was like that's the perfect game that's the, <laughs> that's the no hitter that I, yeah that's the no that i've thrown where everything about that worked and People love that episode so much because you're so engaging. And I think it was just it was also timing because I caught you mm-hmm. like not long after it was a few days after you'd left CBS three. And mm-hmm. now you've had a few months for those who have not been keeping track and shame on you if you haven't. But for those of you who have not been keeping track, what's been going on with you since we sat in that backyard of yours at the end of September last year and how much has changed for you? Well, I would say everything's changed at this point. I mean, uh, they say that once you get to the other side and the grass isn't necessarily always greener, but I have to say the grass is so green right now on this side of this fence. Um, I made the best decision for myself that I could have possibly made. And I know that we've talked about this multiple times, that it was the scariest choice I've ever made in my life. I had found myself in a situation where I had this really great career on paper. Behind the scenes, I despised what I was doing. Um, I should rephrase that. I really loved the physical work I was doing, but I hated a lot of the other bureaucratic stuff that came with it and the schedule most especially. So I left that career and have been channeling all of my skill set that I was using in that situation, being on morning television that wasn't serving me into new pursuits. And so I wrote this book. It is now actually coming out. It's on pre-order as we're talking. Um, and there are other other projects that I'm working on once this, I don't want to say wraps up because it's going to be a continuing process, but the, once the bulk of the work around the launch of this book wraps up, I'll be working on creating an online course, assisting amateur video content creators, helping them become production rock stars, um, and ho- hopefully in a post-COVID world, developing a presence as a public speaker, which definitely takes on a new meaning these days, but um, that is still in, uh, in my purview, something that I really want to work on. So when we talked last in September, you were in just getting started on this thing. And so how quickly did this book come together? You talked about you were working on it at the time. I remember that. Yeah. We went from working stage to you've got damn near a whole launch now together. Mm -hmm. How quickly did that come together? And what was the process like for you putting that book together? Well, it was a complete learning curve. I've never done anything like anything that I'm doing now. So I had so much to learn. And that was part of what helped really launch me into being so much happier, too, because learning for me, uh, just that life, that concept of lifelong learning, soaking up webinars and, uh, you know, listening to podcasts and reading new material and watching new videos and learning from other people in aspired spaces that I'm, I'm trying to get into just lit a fire in me. So I was so motivated to figure this out. But I have to say that writing the book, it was hard. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of stories that I wanted. I, I knew I had something to say, but 
there were a couple of reasons that it was difficult for me personally. One was that A, I'd never done it before, wasn't really sure how to approach it, what the best methods would be, but I figured that out. Um, and then also that I was living this story as I was writing it. So it was difficult to pinpoint what my real message was, how to write that down so people would grasp what I was trying to say, because I was still going through the motions and the emotion of making this all happen for myself. So in the book, I mean, I was writing up until the pandemic was happening. I actually finished writing the book during the pandemic, and that makes an appearance in the book. So it all has happened, I guess, in the grand scheme very quickly. But I had actually started writing down these stories and just putting together some Google Docs um, in the spring of last year. So I had started it before I left CBS because I knew it was something I wanted to do. And then once I finally left uh, TV, was able to organize everything. And that I think was the hardest part of it, organizing my thoughts in a way that would, if you'd never met me before, make sense to you. You know, right. you had no idea what my background was. Am I putting things down in a way that you're going to understand who I am and where I'm coming from? And um, that that turned out to be a really difficult thing for me to figure out. Thank God for editors. So uh, <laughs> my, my editor was really, I give her so much credit for helping me organize the thing and just put it together in a way that was going to make sense to everybody. So in the process that you're putting this together mm -hmm. and it's evolving because it was almost like a real time scenario where yeah. you not only are and you mentioned you started doing this before you left. So you're still getting up and everyone remembers the schedule, mm -hmm. the insane schedule is one of the things that a lot of the feedback I got about episode 102 was, oh, my God, how do you get how do they do that? My mom, I told you, yeah. my mom still asks me the question, the random points where I got to do early mornings is that how do you do that? How do you manage it with sleep? So in the midst of your sleep schedule, which was just all sorts of just a kerfluffle of everything, <laughs> doing <word>. all this, <laughs> it's a, it's the best. See, I come up with the I have the best words. So it's like I, <laughs> I, I, I think someone up, would differ with you. on that. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some of the conversations we have off the microphone. It's right, like, right. But the, it was the kerfluffle of sorts that you have right. trying to keep all this together. You're writing this book and still going in every morning yeah. and doing this work and you weren't happy. And you, I've seen you, you sent me some of the advanced stuff on this book before. And there's a little bit of it that we'll kind of talk about as we go along with this too. You're doing all this while you're not happy at this job. So there's some evolution happening as you're going along in the book. Absolutely. And that's actually part of the reason that, to me, I, I kind of wanted to have this done and out by April. That's obviously not happening. And COVID was part of that. But the other part of it was I got stuck. I did get, you know, the traditional writer's block about 75% of the way through because again, I was living it as it, as I was writing it. So it was really like writing in a journal, writing in a diary, um, and trying to analyze what I was going through and, and put that to paper proved really, really tricky for some reason. Um, so here we are now in July and it's months after I wanted this to really happen, but it is now, you know, but you're right, like living through, um, that schedule but while still writing this, I got to say, like, the, the motivation just came from knowing at that point, by the spring of last year, I knew that I was going to be making this big change. Nobody else knew it yet but me and my husband. And um, I had that internal pilot light lit at that point of 
this flame burning inside me, not to get too symbolic, but it was like a a real kick in the ass that um, things are going to be changing. There is an endpoint on the calendar at this point. And I knew when that was going to be. And I had so much energy and motivation because of it. You know, before I had the knowledge and the definite, I knew definitely that I was going to be leaving TV. Um, I was just miserable and going through the motions every day and just trying, literally just trying to get through until 1227 PM when I get to bolt out the door and drive out the parking lot home like a bat out of hell. I, I was so miserable every single day at that job. And then when this light at the end of the tunnel finally appeared, I had something to live for. It, not to sound dramatic, but it was like I, I knew things were going to be better. I knew I had something that I was working toward at that point and was able to find the energy because of that to work so hard in my off hours to uh, begin to pursue some of it. That comes through in some of the thing, a lot of what you've written, obviously. I've got my iPad up here. People you know, I may mean, notice on the screen I'm kind of looking a little down off to the corner. I've got – your advanced copy? I've got it, my advanced <laughs> copy in front of me. And there's a story here, and I want to read an expert, excerpt of this, or an expert, whichever. But read an excerpt of this. <laughs> when told you, you I, be- I told you, I'm all tongue-tied <laughs> right now. So it's, it's everything here. But this story really jumped off to me, kind of giving it – it gives a door into what you were dealing with. This was the morning, I think it was either the Preakness or the Belmont that you mm. that you talked about from last year. And how little by little everything was getting to you. It was just like one thing. This is 2018. So it's like everything is kind of getting to you and it's starting to to add up. So it's like I look at it like this. It's the after angrily toasting two blueberry waffles for them, the, your two little girls. And by the way, those the, they, those girls couldn't be cuter if you if they tried. <laughs> I I slammed my butter knife down and went out on the deck for peace and quiet. Now, surely the bird song, the sweet grassy smell and a big old brew from the Keurig would perk me up. My husband, Steve, who had sleepily made his way down to the kitchen, knew something was wrong. He awkwardly made side glances at me, trying to figure out where my mood was coming from. When I had days like this, he usually kept his distance. Didn't say much to me, and I preferred it that way. But this time, he tried to gently help me feel better. He opened the door under the deck so our blonde-haired girls could rush out to see me. And besides the cats, no one has ever shown me such unconditional love. These tiny people put up with me at my most scatterbrained, exasperated, and frustrated. They just loved me no matter what. And as they toddled over to give me a snuggle, my tears welled up in the half-hearted embrace I mustered up in return. So this was the morning mm-hmm. of one of the Triple Crown races. And yeah. you were supposed to be going to a party. Because, you know, people, obviously, I'm not a big horse racing guy, but I know <laughs> the Derby, the, the Derby, the Belmont, the Preakness, those are big deals. Yeah. And as the vernacular of the youngsters, you were not with the shits that particular day. No. And you just were not there. So right. – Kind of go a little bit more into that because this sounds like one of those breaking point type of moments that a lot of us have in a lot of different places. And reading this, I'm just getting this mental image of what that morning was like for you. So it was one of those classic woke up on the wrong side of the bed type of mornings. And I wanted nothing to do with anybody just from the second that I woke up. Um, And I had no reason for it. That was what was one of the biggest clues to me that something was wrong and I needed to fix it. I was just in this terrible mindset where I was restless and angry and frustrated and just felt like I couldn't do anything right. You know, that I was 
I was an uncaring spouse, that I wasn't a good parent, that I wasn't showing up for my kids, that I was invisible in my job. You know, I just felt like everything in the world was against me. And I know that sounds really self-pitying and it is, but it's, it's what I felt. And I was just in this depressive slump. That was one of the worst days of my entire life. In fact, it may be the worst day that I can remember having um, because I was just so miserable. And knowing that we had made these plans to go hang out with friends, it was supposed to be this awesome day of, you know, horse racing and margaritas because it was also Cinco de Mayo that day. They coincided that year and mint juleps, although I probably wouldn't have drank one of those because I think they're nasty, but <laughs> um, it was supposed to be this really fun day. And I shit all over it because I felt like crap. And I felt, huh, I mean, aside from just feeling the way I did with the, from the moment I woke up, I felt so horrible because I ruined the day for myself, for my family. And I sat up in my room with the shades drawn. It was a really nice day, as I recall. And I like just prayed that this feeling would pass and it never did. And I'm like, something has got to give here. This is not right. I'm. This is not who I am. What the hell is wrong with me? And that plus one other day, that I talk about in the prologue where I really felt like that, that I hit bottom, turned me to Google to figure out that there's something wrong with me. I got to go to the doctor about this. I, I figured I either must have clinical depression. I must have late onset postpartum. I must need therapy. Like there's something here that has to be addressed medically speaking. And it did end up turning out that I presented my doctor with what was going on and we agreed together that we should medicate the problem. So um, she put me on antidepressants a couple days per month because the way the timing worked out, it was like PMS to the extreme for me that I would get into these moods that I could not break myself from leading up to the day in the days leading up to my period. And there is this thing called um, uh, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is basically, again, PMS on steroids. Jeez. It's like this overwhelming um, swing in your mood and your emotions. And I figured that that must be the problem. And that if I started taking this medication, that it would fix itself. Unfortunately, it didn't. Um, the medication is still there if I do need it. Thankfully, I haven't had to take it uh, very often at all since I left TV, which doesn't surprise me in the slightest, but um, what I really needed was a life shift. I needed to fix what was going on in my situation, and that meant taking back control of my life on a variety of levels, physically, mentally, just, I mean, you know this, I was controlled down to the length of my hair working oh, at absolutely. the station, you know, and, and I'd had it. I, I I finally just there was this proverbial straw that finally broke the camel's back for me, um, and I I decided it was time to make a choice, and that choice was, and it was terrifying to leave a career that I had built for 15 years, um, and go rogue completely on a new path. Yes, using some of the skill set that I have, most of it, but um, in a direction that took me away from a 401k, from a salaried job, still with a mortgage to pay and car payments and mouths to feed. So it was really, really scary, but it was the best choice I've ever made in my life. Now we're nine months removed from this. Mm -hmm. And when I spoke with you in September, yeah. you were about a weekend yeah. and you were still kind of figuring this out. Now that we're nine months out, mm -hmm. what has it been like 
for you. And especially also give people kind of some insight into the book process too. Yeah. Because I know some people have said to me before, it's like, oh, you should write a book on all this. It's like, dude, I don't have that kind of patience. If you see me, <laughs> I, I, I barely got the patience to do most of the shit I'm doing now. But it's the, when for you, writing this book, telling your story, because you're opening some doors here. I also, in some of the advanced copy, I read about the stuff you dealt with prior to getting into TV and your first yep. couple of TV gigs and being, and that's another thing is like, I guess I'm asking a bunch of things at once here, but first, what's it been like through the whole process of putting that together with the family and everything else? Because you came up with some pretty unorthodox ways to get work done. <laughs> yes. And also, just one of the stories, another story that you told in that book is when you first really got started, just some of the bullshit you have to deal with out of men and and the coming yes. into the business and everything else. Give, give us a bit more insight on that. Some of the things we couldn't fully talk about in September that now mm -hmm. we can really we can really get Dive with in. it pretty much now. Yeah, yeah. So the writing process did become very um, difficult once COVID hit because the girls are now in preschool and I would have three solid days of uh, at least three to five hours at a stretch where I could get my stuff done quietly without distraction. And I am the type that requires zero distractions in order to especially write effectively, but also to get any other stuff done. So that became really tricky. And what I ended up doing as I wrapped up the final 25% of the book or so, I would drive somewhere with a pretty view and work in my in my car. So my my car became a portable office and I drove to let's see, I drove to the Haverford Reserve. I went to an elementary school out and I think like near Collegeville. Um, where else did I go? Oh, just the giant parking lot because it happens to have a really nice view. So I just park in the lot. I'd have fully charged devices with me. I put an unlit candle on the dashboard so I could like breathe in a, a calming scent, which is just bizarre, but it worked. And I would turn on a playlist and I just sat there in the driver's seat getting really uncomfortable because that gets not, it's not cozy after a while. Um, but I was able to finish the book that way. Otherwise, though, before the craziness of a pandemic hit, I would write when the inspiration struck. So I wrote the entire second chapter, uh, almost the entire second chapter from um, just sitting on my bed one night when I felt I just felt it and it all came pouring out one night. It was like really late on a Saturday night in the middle of last summer. And otherwise, I like I'd be out in my swing chair. I just like wait for inspiration to strike almost. And then once it hit, I just went and I rolled with it for hours at a stretch. But I also watched a lot of videos. I think you and I are very much alike where we like to know what it is we're getting into before we start it. And so I watched a lot of videos from other people who have done this before, who had self-published before, what their process was like. I wrote out probably 50 different post-its and they were all plastered against my wall just with my outline so I could literally visualize what it was uh, or what the path was that I wanted to take with the book and fine-tune it that way. Um, and then everything was just in Google Docs, compiled into separate folders. And eventually I turned it over to a program called Vellum, 
which okay. is a do it yeah it's a do it yourself formatting tool and it's awesome and it formatted the book for me i sent it off to an editor that i found through linkedin she actually cold called me and uh yeah. she was fantastic she was perfect for this job she's a south jersey girl and she's my target audience and it worked out great um and from there everything else was a serious learning curve i have an art designer friend who helped me cover uh, design the cover but this has been a total diy process for me Everything from writing the book to publishing the book to promoting the book to organizing the launch, I'm doing solo, which is a lot of work, but oh, yeah. but I'm loving it. And that's the difference. You know, I was in that job working nine hour days every day, regardless anyway. And those, you know, those are long days, but now I'm putting in like 10, 11 hour days, but I love every second. So it goes to show that happiness is a personal thing. What's going to bring you joy is a personal thing. If you have passion for something and you love your process, then it doesn't matter what your schedule is like. What matters is that you're enjoying yourself. And that's where I've come full circle with all of this. Now, your other question, what I dealt with before, um, even just before getting into the the big market scenario, I mean, I, my internship when I was in college was at this tiny station in Bath, PA, which probably most of people listening have never heard of, but it's up in Northampton County, so north of Allentown by like 20, 25 minutes. And um, I love that internship, but I helped my mentor, uh, who was the chief photographer there, do this side project. And I had to deal with uh, the host of this side project demeaning me uh, and sexually harassing me in public, in front of people um, as we were in the middle of a shoot. And I tell that story in the book. Um, so there's a little bit of me too going on in there. Um, that was a big learning, uh, another big learning curve for me and a big turning point for how I handled that kind of treatment in the future. But I, I mean, I don't even know, like, I know I'm rambling on here, but I, I'm not really sure what else to say about that other than that the the sexual harassment is a very real thing. It does go on. We continue to hear stories about it now. I've dealt with it personally myself, not to the extent, thank God, of what others have dealt with, but um, that is a very real thing in, in, in our business and unfortunately a lot of others too. It's something that it's very pervasive. Mm -hmm. And I know that, with the women that I know in the industry, because these days there's like, there's so many, there's so much happening. It's like little by little, these stories come out and they often tend to intersect with one another mm -hmm. where there are the issues of sexual harassment of, of the, of the racism that goes on in some of these places of just the, yes. the demeaning of women, the demeaning of pregnant women, that it's, it's like women who have kids and they go through, they go through all this. And you, and obviously you touched on that in the book, the instance with the, when you're on the shoot and the guy makes these, these comments towards you that again, I'll obviously somebody wants to find out the whole details. Yes. We go to the book for that. He's smarmy though, man. I'll, I'll just put that spoiler out. <laughs> and, he is a bit of a smarmy, smarmy. bastard. Just smarmy like, smart, yeah. and it's a, but I think about where you are now, you weren't just working on this book mm -hmm. in the amount of time you were gone too. You were also doing other things. You, you became a bit more of a hot commodity once you got away from TV because people, saw your voice. You were doing the the DIY channel on YouTube. And well, I'll, we'll get into that toward the, a little bit later on here too. But aside from that, you also had some other things that were going on on top of putting the book together and managing the mm -hmm. family and everything else too. Right. Yeah. So the YouTube channel was the other big project. I was still doing that on a weekly basis. And 
you know, it, it was a lot of work and I know we're going to talk about it later. It's on hiatus at the moment, but um, yeah, I mean, I was in my off time being a full-time mom uh, on top of that, doing that YouTube channel and producing and solo producing weekly videos for that. And then also writing a book and then also learning about affiliate marketing and email marketing and <laughs> uh, entrepreneurship in general. And it, it was again, going back to this idea that I had this, for me, learning is a pilot light. And once that is lit, I am like, my motivation kicks me out of bed in the morning. I'm so energized with desire to do stuff and, and get work done and be productive. And having that motivation was critical. You know, I, I had a finite amount of hours. I had a finite hour or so of break time at work when I didn't have any colleague interruption and I didn't have any toddlers interrupting me. <laughs> and I used that hour every single day to get stuff done, to write copy for social, to design thumbnails for my YouTube channel, to even write a couple words, like, a, you know, a couple hundred words for the book. Um, I became really conscious of time, how to manage it well, and how to productively get all the stuff done that I wanted to in that amount of finite time that I knew I was able to grab. Because you were doing speaking engagements too, from what I remember, and you were hosting yeah. events and everything else. Right, right. Yeah, now that came primarily with um, with the job. I was never allowed through the under the corporation to do anything outside of work unless they approved it. So I actually had to go through a process to even get approval to do the YouTube channel. And at the time, you know, when I first started it, um, I really didn't know what it could become, where it would go, what I could build with it. But then I got started and again, began to learn more and understood the value and potential that there is for anyone who's trying to get recognition or build a business through YouTube, this opportunity like you would not believe. And so I started working towards that. We may have talked about that as this in the last podcast, but eventually the big bosses were like, what are you doing with that? Because <laughs> it seems like you're trying to do something with that. And I'm like, honestly, I'm just really learning now. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> but I was building on the back burner of my mind. I was like building all of these big aspirations for things that I eventually wanted to pull off. So um, yeah, it was a slow churn to, to get to any fruition with all of that, but I was working extremely hard in on a side hustle yeah. uh, while I was still in a salaried job. And now the growth of that has kind of come together. The, yeah. Like a lot of that has come to, come to fruition. I, I remember after you left CBS three, you did some, you were doing some, uh, some hosting work and you're doing some, yeah. some public and some public appearances. And this is on top yeah. of the book and on top of, on uh, top right. of the kids and everything else. Now that you've got this book, I mean, obviously, it's not fully out yet. It's going to be coming out soon. What are you feeling when you start to see some of the reaction and responses to this? Because this book is doing pretty well pre-publication, before mm -hmm. it takes off. What are some of your thoughts on that, realizing that so many people are not only interested in your story, but really invested in seeing where you're going with this now? Total gratification. Like. So I developed a launch team. There's close to 200 members on it. And these are the people that are basically my street team. They got an advanced copy as well. And they read through the book. They are providing feedback. They are helping get the word out about it. So I put together this private face group for this group so that we could maintain communication. And that's kind of how I saw it. That would be kind of a fun place to share some fun content, get to know each other, and just updates for the launch team. 
it has turned into this this forum for people who see themselves in my story can identify with stories that I've told and the struggles that I've been through. And it's turned into this forum where everyone is supporting one another, telling the stories about what they're going through, how they can relate to my words and how I'm now inspiring them to make changes in their own lives. And it's like making me well up thinking about it because these these people came on to support me out of their time. They're taking six weeks out of their life to help me with this, which means so much anyway. And now this Facebook group in particular is turning into this place of support and where people feel like a safe place to talk about this kind of stuff. That was part of the reason that no one knew what I was going through. I didn't want to talk about it. I, I didn't want people to a judge me or B um, you know, see the vulnerable side of me either. And that's part of this overall problem with mental health is that there's still this stigma around it. But once we start talking about it, there are so many people going through these struggles and it has become the Facebook group in particular has become this cathartic place for people to open up to each other, find support and talk about, it's like this virtual, virtual therapy couch where we can just come together and talk about what we're going through and understand that everybody else in that group gets it and is going to be there to support each other. So that's one of the most gratifying things about this, but also to see the support that I've gotten from the overall community and that the book was a number one release for a couple of days on Amazon. I, like, <laughs> I was blown away. It's been in the top 100 in its category uh, ever since it went on pre-order. Like I, I cannot, I, I can't grasp how how big a deal that is, but it, it's just like, I, I don't know how to find words other than gratitude and, um, and uh, gratification for, for the way and rewarding for the way this has seemed to go, to seem to go. I put out a book trailer a couple of weeks ago, like right before it went on pre-order, it was a video, kind of like a movie trailer, a book trailer to explain, this is what this book is about. I hope you'll consider buying it. And the day I put that video up, I'm not even kidding. I almost threw up. I was so, Oh wow. I was, it was the most vulnerable thing I've ever done. Um, or at least the most vulnerable thing I've ever put out to the world because it, it, really was the first time that I told anybody that I went through something really big here. Let me tell the girls to stop. Hey, girls, girls, you need to be quiet. I'm on an interview, okay? Thank you. I need you to be quiet. Please be quiet. Got a little guest commentary happening oh here in the background. I don't know if you could hear that, but girls, <laughs> you need to be quiet, okay? I'm on an interview. I'm recording. Oh, geez, where was I? <laughs> that, 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 you know what if there's if there were ever an example of just of what you're talking about that's it right there i'm leaving some of that in by the way <laughs> that is a that that is great those two little girls oh by the way as I, as I mentioned when i saw you in september they couldn't have been sweeter but i know they're a handful and you were mentioning yes. that this was one of the most vulnerable moments was that trailer would coming out yeah and, I know they played a bit of a role in that too. They played a role in just so much of what you've done Right. that putting that trailer out there was, and I can imagine that's really scary for you. Absolutely. It was terrifying. Um, again, the most vulnerable 
information about myself is in this book. <laughs> and that, then the trailer was the first part of that. But I have to tell you, even like for how scary all of that was and talking about all of this and for how many moments where I would write something down in this Word document and think, my God, am I really going to say this uh, in this book? Now that I've done it, I am so glad that I did because it was completely liberating. Um, it's just like it's it's out there now and there's nothing I can do about it and it's like this is who I am uh deal with it kind of a kind of a vibe and it feels awesome you know because again there's so many people that relate to this stuff and to these stories and to these struggles I'm just really glad that I finally pulled the trigger and did it and that writing process is definitely that's major and I and you heard me talk about it I couldn't imagine writing a book, but what she has done in putting that book together and in the amount of time that she's done it and with so much happening, it's just incredible. Remember, that book comes out on July 22nd, July 22nd. So next week on Amazon coming up after this break, we'll continue our conversation and we go more into how Katie was going to tell her story, because, again, storytelling is all about two major questions. We'll get on that. Plus, we'll also talk about how a... um infamous quote from this here podcast found its way into the book and there's even a cameo from a couple of very special guests this is the 115th episode of the people's podcast this is j scott confidential better known as jsc radio awesome jones will take us into the break as we play his new track parcel of stardust from synthetic sounds volume one be sure to check that out on itunes and on spotify a link for that will be in the description we'll be back with more with katie fellinger after this Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus, so we should all stay home to lower the risk for everyone. More info at coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. You're listening to the People's Podcast. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. This is JSC Radio. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go fish that! Oh, come on! <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. You're listening to the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. This is the 115th episode of the People's Podcast. Welcome back to J. Scott Confidential, better known as JSC Radio. J. Scott Smith here, and you're listening to the sounds of Doc Gillingsworth underneath me here. Be sure to check him out on Spotify. I've got a link to check out his music in the description. Be sure to follow him on social media at Illingsworth, I-L-L-I-N-G-S-W-O-R-T-H. And the homie Awesome Jones is simply at Awesome, O-S-S-I-M, Jones. Just that simple. Shout out to everybody back in the 313. Be sure to wear your damn mask so I can finally come back home and check all of y'all out once again. So now let's get back down to business here with our conversation with Katie Fellinger. We'll pick things up talking about 
the importance and the art of storytelling and everything that went into her being able to tell her story in her new book, which is entitled My Happy Place. Plus, as we go along, we'll even find out how she found inspiration in, of all places, in this podcast. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 115th episode of the People's Podcast. This is Jay Scott Confidential, but you can call it JSC Radio. Let's get back into our conversation with Miss Katie Fellinger. This is a presentation of JSC Media. So often I talk about storytelling mm-hmm. and the art of storytelling and the importance of it. And my thing has always been about of all the important journalistic questions, the two most important questions are how and why, because you yeah. get the most detail and words are very powerful, especially when you're trying to explain how your how was so important. How did I get here? How did we how did I navigate all this? That's what really jumps out to me from what I saw from what you sent me, copy of the book. Because yes, full disclosure, I got a copy of the I got a copy of it at a time. <laughs> but I just from reading it, I learned so much about you. And just to be kind of blown away by that, whereas I'm reading it, it's like you're telling me your how. And now this stuff starts to make sense. Now mm. it adds up why you are the way you are. It all makes sense. Words are very powerful. Mm-hmm. And your how and your why are very powerful. And it's this is what really comes through in the book is that you have this – it's very motivated, but at the same time, there is a kind of the worry about being seen as too vulnerable because I think we, we both tend to relate on that aspect too of really opening yourself up. Because we live in a we live in a world where, yeah, a lot of people are a lot of people are a-holes and they will try to troll you and run with certain things and try to try to beat you down. But you've been met with so much love from everybody around you. And it sounds like I can tell in how your your story has resonated with so many people. I could I saw that in 102 just after episode 102, how your story resonated with so many people on so many different levels. And now it's like. You get a second and third and fourth layer of that onion, and we're really seeing it from this mm-hmm. book. It's, it's incredible. I really appreciate that feedback. Yeah, I, I did. Um, I, I've done a couple. Of, I've got a few other interviews lined up, and the one that I just did yesterday um, was from a, a former colleague, actually, that I used to do radio work with, and um, it was with Marilyn Russell at OGL, and um, she and others that I've reached out to who were former radio colleagues of mine. We're kind of like, yeah, it's like you just left it like poof, you were gone. Like what? Ha- Nobody knew what <laughs> happened. Um, and you're right. Like there, there's just there's so many layers to this that I never opened up about. That's what the book is. That's why it, that's why it exists now, that it was a cathartic experience for me to write it in the first place because I wanted I had something to say and I wanted to get it out. But, um, yeah, explaining the reasons for all of that felt so important to me. Because, again, people, other people are going through this. It may not be the same details, but the same kind of struggle where you just feel stuck and you know that you need a change or you know that you want a change, but you're not sure how that manifests itself. You're not sure if you can do it. You're afraid to try. You feel like you can't because there's too many hurdles to get over. I had all of those exact same fears and struggles and conversations with myself, but I figured it out. And that's why this it started as a memoir and sort of turned into a memoir slash how to hybrid because 
I explain how I came to these realizations and how I actually fixed them um, or fixed the problems in my life to achieve all of this for myself. Because I never ended up sitting on a therapy couch. I never ended up hiring a life coach or anything like that to to help me with this stuff. I did really DIY all of it. I figured this out for myself. Um, and I even, because of that, developed companion resources to go with the book, which you can download on my website. Um, there is a part where I talk about my big four. Uh, there are the big four keys to happy, the four components of life that when combined together, guarantee that I'm going to be 100% fulfilled. And that will vary for everybody. But I went through this huge self audit to figure out that for myself, to, for me to be happy completely, I need freedom, creativity, personal growth and relationships and to be able to foster all of those things in my life and with every project that I work on. And once I figured that out, it's like, okay, well, yeah, of course, a morning schedule that requires you wake up in the middle of the night is not going to work for you. Like now it all makes sense. <laughs> but for so long, I am a people pleaser. I, I let other people's opinions outweigh my own. I'm trying to work against that now. Um, but so many other people's opinions of how my life should look ended up putting me on this path that looks so glamorous and looks like it would be perfect. But for me, it wasn't ideal. That, that schedule, that shift, that path works for someone, probably a lot of people, but not for me. And until I realized that for myself, I was going to be stuck and I was going to feel horrible dread just walking into that building at three in the morning every day. So, um, all of this to say, just there was a lot of realization that had to go on. There was a lot of gut checking and self-auditing that I had to work on to be able to really pinpoint this path for myself. And now that I have, it's like, seriously, from the day I stopped hitting that alarm, girls, you got to be quiet. I'm still on. I'm still recording. I'm sorry. It's OK. Girls, I'm still recording. You have to be quiet, please. OK. I don't think I think they hear I think they think I'm just talking to myself right now. Girls. <laughs> I feel like one second. No problem. Girls. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, oh, my goodness. All right. The, the 24 hour a day, seven day <laughs> a week, 365 day a year. This year it's 366. <laughs> right. right. I get an extra day of craziness. You get an extra day of it. Thank you for dealing with that. I apologize. Okay, we're still on. All right. Oy. Where was I again? <laughs> it, was, it was the, uh, you mentioned that just the job that you were doing was not conducive to your success. You're going through the four, yes. through, through your, your, your four, and it was not fully conducive to your success. I mean, I, as someone, because again, we both get it. Mm -hmm. We both worked that morning shift before. We've both done that. I don't know how you did it as long as you did. I barely got through a year to a couple, three years of it myself before I was just mentally fried. But I don't know how you did it. But now that you're out of it, it's become a lot more conducive to your success. And that's maybe the most important thing here is now it's kind of built. Since you've been gone, oh, sounds like the song there. Since, since you, <laughs> since okay, you, Kelly Clarkson. Since you've been gone, exactly. <laughs> You can breathe for the first time for understand, but right. it's like since you've been gone from TV mm -hmm. and you don't have to name any names, obviously. But have you heard from some of the people at CBS or even from the other stations who because you were very well known and very well liked by everyone, anybody who wouldn't like you, but you were nice. very well liked by everyone. 
What's been the re- response from the your fellow former TV newsers to some of this and seeing where you've gone? Thankfully, it's been uh, pretty supportive. Um, I have heard from a handful of people from other stations that I was never that I never worked with and got overwhelming support. Um, no one ever gave me grief over it. I would like to think that if anybody did have grief, they're never going to tell me about it because I don't want to know. I don't care. <laughs> but, um, no, you know, th- the people that understand th- that uh, they get it, they've been through the schedule like we have, they know what a grind it can be. They were very supportive. And I have heard reg- relatively regularly from a handful of them. But um, again, it's this is a this is a business just like anything else that is for some and not for others. And even though I think that I'm kind of a natural at this broadcasting thing, that particular gig just wasn't my wheelhouse um, for all of these reasons that we've discussed. And at the time when I was really just <laughs> going into that depressive slump and spiraling to that low, for whatever reason, I could not wrap my head around the idea that anybody with a communications and a meteorology degree could do anything other than be a TV meteorologist. And I really thought that I was doomed to be stuck in this, these kinds of really rough schedules for perpetuity. Um, it wasn't until I really looked hard at my skill set, what I'm good at, what I love about the process that, um, you know, that when I'm working, that I was able to understand that my idea of what I was capable of was so short-sighted and there was absolutely no reason on earth that I couldn't branch out into any other field and be able to monetize it and succeed at it. And, um, because I'm a control freak, I knew I needed to do it on my own. So (laughs) do it yourself. is not just simply, it's not a YouTube channel. It's a way of life for you. It, It is. And I have to give you credit, you know, Originally, when we did that first podcast, my title of my book was going to be My Happy Place, How I Became the Hero of My Own Story, which is true. But you, I think, were the first person that said to me, you DIY'd it. Like, you DIY'd your life. And I'm like, oh, my God. did. I did. (laughs) And it's like all of a sudden it came together. It's like it organically clicked for me that, holy crap, I, I love DIY from the crafting and design and home sense. But... What I'm doing here really is like a DIY project, the ultimate DIY project to work on myself and create the best existence for myself. And that's how I ended up actually settling. I never told you this. That's how I settled on that title. Well, I I certainly appreciate that. <laughs> and I you tried, get a shout out in the book. It's worthy of I, I was going to bring that up. So <laughs> in the book, you have a bunch of different quotes, some really profound things from different people that start off some of the chapters and they're kind mm-hmm. of interspersed along there. And somewhere along the way, you pulled up this quote from this from this dude who was doing a podcast in 2017 and of all things going off on some screed against against some football team in Detroit. And <laughs> I let that and, will not be named. But and happened the team that shall not be named that wears Honolulu blue and silver that I <laughs> that the guy let rip with a phrase just almost like a non sequitur saying, quote, hope is not a goddamn strategy. And as she's pulling She's pulling up like yeah. the picture. There it is right there. Hope is not a good yeah. strategy. And it's like the <laughs> – when I said that, for those – for the newcomers to this show, you'll have to go back a ways. This was January 2017. When I said that, I was so angry and so frustrated with them because at that point I've 
I invested 28, what is now will be 30 years of my life being a fan of this friggin' team. And when I said it, <laughs> I said it just out of frustration, but then I went back and heard it and I just started thinking, Jesus, that actually is very profound because look at me. A, yeah. It's, and it's a lot of ways of how I've just always approached things. It's that, yes, it's of course you gotta have hope and you gotta be able to be you, you want to be hopeful and think that you can do this and there's always the possibility and you want to push yourself. But it's just like it's like the older phrase of uh, prayer. Prayer without works is nothing and hope without actual action. You can have all the hope in the world. But you're not doing yeah. anything. You're going to be in that same spiral. And yes. when I look at your story, you wanted to get out, but you put the work in and you got out of there and you built on it. And that's what's. I thought it's one of the coolest things in the world that I saw that quote show up there. And I wanted to personally thank you for that, too, because sometimes I think I'm just yelling into an echo chamber. Sometimes. <laughs> I was sitting at a dining room table in my old apartment. It, here's here, here's me exposing the business. I was not sitting in a studio when I did that. I was literally sitting at a dining room table at an apartment in South Philly and Raging to the sky. Like. Raging to the sky. <laughs> where people are wondering, what in the hell is this dude talking about as the Eagles are on their way to a Super Bowl? What the hell is this guy talking about? And to hear something like that, to, the idea that anything I said reached you or reaches anybody always kind of messes with my head a little bit. Mm -hmm. But to see that there, I personally wanted to thank you for that because if anything I said helped inspire you, then damn it, I did my job. And yeah. you – I, I just think that's really cool. So that's the other thing is when I saw that, I was like, oh, shit, she actually did use it. Like that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Now, I wouldn't tell you that I was using it and then not keep my word on that. Um, but now your your quote is one of the lead off quotes for the chapter. Girls, girls, you have to be quiet or I'm going to tell daddy. Uh oh, <laughs> you have to be quiet. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Um Need to apologize. They're awesome. <laughs> I can't believe I just said I'm going to tell your dad. <laughs> I need him to feed them. That's what I really need. So that that way they'll really be quiet when they finally have food in their holes. <laughs> anyway, um, your quote leads off chapter six, which is called "Expect Nothing," and it it was a chapter that arose out of anger. I actually had to be in the right mindset to work on it because it was the angriest chapter of the entire book. It talks about um, roadblocks I came up against through work and those feelings of underappreciation and undervalued and overwhelmed and overworked and all of those things coming to a head to the point that you just feel so stuck and like nothing's gonna change. And nothing is going to change unless you do something about it. What I ended up getting into this funk with was expecting anybody else to help me with my situation. You cannot expect people to help you. You cannot hope for things to get better. That's not a strategy. Exactly. So so that's where that's why that quote resonated so much with me. And it's right next to, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. <laughs> Smashing pumpkin song. Um because yeah, it's you you can go on being pissed about everything and frustrated with everything at work. But unless you decide to stand up and do something about it, nothing's gonna change. You have to work for it. Nothing's gonna get handed to you. And that sounds pessimistically harsh, but it's the truth. If you don't 
like put some hard time and work into making things happen for yourself, it's never going to fucking happen. So that's that's why that line spoke so much to me. I'd already written a good chunk of that chapter, and then somehow we were talking about it in a conversation. I'm like, that's really good. Like that that really works. <laughs> like I think I'm gonna steal that when <laughs> we were like on the phone one day. I'm like, hey, what was that line you mentioned was, that one time? <laughs> it, it was of all things, it was hope is not a goddamn strategy, and it's and it's not, and it's something that I've tried to operate under. For a lot of things. You just said something there. It's like you can't just simply sit around and wait for someone else to do it. Sometimes you got to go out and get it done yourself. Yeah. You got to go. Of do, times. A lot of times. Got to do this it. yourself. And it's not. And it's. And yes, again, having hope is a really positive thing. And yes, I want to be able to do this. And one day down the line, I hope this gets done and this, that, and the third. Yeah. But occasionally you got to just get up off your ass and go do it. And when you get up and go do it, you've put that hope to work. You've put that, you've made it start to build into something. At a certain point, you get frustrated enough. It's like, all right, I want to do this. F it. I'm about, I'm about to do it my way, which is what you did. Yeah. So it's like dreaming is one thing, but goals are a totally different thing because it implies you're going to put in some work to get there. Um, it's like, you can't expect to win the lottery to hit it rich. If you want to actually hit it rich, you're going to have to do something about that. You can't just buy a lottery ticket and hope. Um, so yeah, that that line really resonates with me. And it's it was like I go back and read that chapter now and I still get furious reading some of the stories that I talk about in that one. Um it's such a crucial, crucial piece to the to the choices that I've made and the path that I was able to end up on. If I kept sitting there waiting for my boss to help fix the situation or waiting for geez, like anything else to happen. It was never going to happen. I had to do it myself. And once I realized that, it was so much easier to uh, find the motivation to put in the work to get it done. That's such an important uh, key piece of making yourself happy. You have to do the work. It's taking that big swing. And sometimes mm -hmm. you have to take that big swing and it builds. You yeah. can't it's not going to just fall on your lap. You've got to right. build one, just one, like just one set of action can set a whole lot of things off. It's very so true. this book is done. When can people expect to fully get a hold of it? Mm -hmm. And how can people find this book? Like, and it, there's, it seems like a simple question, but there's so many avenues to do it. And yeah. obviously with this pandemic still just hanging on, there's ways people can get a hold of it. And also just another question of, is there an, will there be eventually be an audio version of this thing where people can, can hear you as well. Mm -hmm. as well. There's so many ways that people can get a hold of books now. Yeah, absolutely. So the definite, um, well, the release date is July 22nd. It comes out officially on July 22nd, and it is available for pre-order now on Amazon, Apple, um, Kobo, if for all my Canadians out there, <laughs> and um, and Barnes and Noble as well. So there will be an e-version. There will also be a paperback version on both Barnes and Noble and Amazon. And I have my proof right here. That's what I was that, holding up earlier. It's got that, that is, weird line on it because it says not for resale, but ah. uh, I wanted to make sure these looked good. So I ordered a few proofs uh, and they look really awesome. I'm it so excited. Um, but yeah, so July 22nd is when it comes out. And I have been steadily updating on katiefailinger.com all of the pre-order information. So that's really the easiest place to, to head for any book news, whether it's pre-order details or hopefully some event details for book signings and things like that. Um, but it is currently available on all those platforms and I'm in the 
pending stages with Google Play as well. So hopefully it's going to be available there. And there will eventually be an audiobook. At this point, it's looking as though that's not going to be ready in time for the July 22nd drop, but it is mostly recorded. Now there's a lot of editing to do with it. And again, it's another DIY situation. So when I can find the time to completely edit the audio down, it'll be um, it'll be going in for some review and hopefully available relatively soon. July 22nd is when the book comes back. At some point, eventually, when you get the space to do it, we'll we'll see the return of Katie Fellinger DIY yes. the YouTube page as well. But obviously, you've got so much sitting so much in front going of you. On. It's yeah. understandable that you yeah. haven't been able to do been able to shoot those videos. It, it, as cool as those videos are. Again, who knew that that would be kind of like the the tipping point in this direction is really yeah. doing that. That's really true. Um, it it really does stem now that we now that we sit here and talk about this. That really is kind of where, like, the tides turned for me when I started doing that project. It was so fulfilling. It goes back to those big four. I had the freedom to make my own production schedule, to do whatever I wanted on that channel. It was a project I completely controlled all on my own. Um, I had the creativity, obviously the outlet there, because I'm like DIY and video production are my wheelhouses, so it was perfect for me. The relationships, I mean, I was able to rearrange and, and work around the girls and my husband and everything else going on in my life so I could do it when it suited me, not when I had to. And from the professional growth standpoint, I mean, I had a crap ton to learn, so... <laughs> I was growing on all cylinders <laughs> um, as I put that together. But yeah, that was sort of like when I realized the power and the potential in YouTube and what you can build with it. And also that I do have what it takes to do something on my own and succeed at it. And that's sort of what really got these wheels grinding and, and allowed me to brainstorm down to the actions I wanted to take to put what had now become a mental shift put it all into re, um, physical actions that I could make it a reality. Now that you've got the book, mm -hmm. you've, you've done, you've done just all this amazing work. What is something that you would say to people who are in a, maybe in a spot similar to yours, whether it's young men, young women, no matter yeah. what, who have hit that wall where they've done so much hell. I've, hit a few walls. There's a wall you can't see off to the side here, this purple wall that I've got in my office that I feel like I've run into a few times. Mm. When you've hit that wall, what would you say to someone who's in TV, radio, they could be in marketing, whatever, who just, they've hit that wall and they're like, what, what, what the hell do I do now? What would, yeah. if someone walked up and asked you that question, what would you say to them? That, that is a multifaceted question for sure, but the biggest thing is to understand yourself first. The way I did it was to figure out what was going, up, going on up in my head before I put any physical action into place. Because if I didn't know what would really make me happy before I started doing it, it would be a pointless venture. So self-audit, figure out who you are, what it is that's gonna make you happy. And if it will help, go download my Big Four Keys to Happy workbook. It's a whole workbook that's gonna ask you really difficult questions and it will probably take you time if you do it for, if you do it for real and take it seriously. It's gonna be really hard exercise to go through, but it is in fact what I did. I asked myself all these really difficult questions to narrow down the four things that would make me happy in life. And once I figured it out, I was able to then pinpoint the kinds of goals that I could make for myself to physically get myself there. So figure that part out. Once you have figured it out, 
you are going to have to look at things realistically. And there may be really hard choices that come into play. For me, there was no way that I was going to leave a salaried job if we would have too much of financial burden that we couldn't pay the mortgage or that we wouldn't be able to get by. Um, we, I'm really lucky and I understand that. I know that I have the most supportive partner in my husband and I'm really lucky that he is by my side and we're okay in the financial position that we are. Um, but you might have to make really hard choices. You might have to move in with your parents. You might have to side hustle for a really long time. You might have to um, give up your vacation. Think about those things realistically. This is such a great pipe dream, uh, but if you can't realistically pull it off, you got to come up with ways that you can, uh, what's the word I want? You have to compromise with yourself. Um, hmm and maybe give up on certain things or take your time to get to these aspirations. Like it might take you longer to get there because you're just not in that right place, but you just have to employ practicality with something like this. I planned for 14 months before I called it a career in TV. So you can't just jump ship and say, I'm done, like peace out, I'm gonna go do my own thing. Please employ practicality. That that would probably be the number one thing. But then just know who you are so that you know that there's an end game in sight that is going to actually fulfill you because that's also going to make all these hard choices worth it for you in the end. Katie, there's only been two repeat guests on this podcast and you are now the third. And Woo! the thing is, <laughs> we could probably do another two hours on this with just some yeah. of the other conversations we have that will not be making it onto this particular episode, by the way, but just, <laughs> just know that I'm happier than hell for you. Thank I you always, so I told much. you the first time I appreciated just how good you were to me and how all, how, how you didn't know me from Adam, but apparently you must, you, you must've heard something about me. I must've made an impression somewhere, but <laughs> you, you've always been good to me and you're just a wonderful human being. And I couldn't be happier for you that you're go that you, you have had the success that you've had making a decision like that. And it's just you're living proof that you can get it done. It's mm -hmm. just it's going to put in a lot of work. There's a there, there's a song on Wu-Tang on Wu-Tang Clan's second album where the intro before the famous song Triumph where RZA says that you, the, you need to like people think it's easy and what they were doing. And he says, you got to snap out that effing dream, man. It takes years mm -hmm. for this. And yeah. it's, the same, it's the same thing. You've put in a lot of work. And you're an example of, as the patch on my backpack here says, hard work pays off. Mm -hmm. Yours definitely paid off. And I will do everything I can to get that book out. Even if my quote wasn't in that damn book, I just, it would be, <laughs> I, I'd get that out there regardless because you deserve that. Katie Fellinger, thank you so much for coming back onto J. Scott Confidential for episode 115. It's awesome to have you here. It's awesome to call you a friend of mine. And I wish you nothing but the best. And once we finally get this damn pandemic over with, it'll be great to actually be able to see you again and say hi to the girls. Mm -hmm. And amazing, it's, it's quieted down back there now. But it's oh, like, yeah, it, now, that, now that we're wrapping up, of course, it's gone dead quiet. <laughs> but, nice. but that's Katie Fellinger. Thank, thank, thank Katie Fellinger, thank you so much. This is why we could go for hours. Thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. On J. Scott Confidential. And there you have it. Another one in the damn books. And speaking of which, you can cop your copy of My Happy Place 
July 22nd. It launches officially on Amazon on July 22nd. You can also get the book on Apple Books, which used to be iBooks, but now it's just Apple Books. It's also going to be at Barnes & Noble, like she said. And if you're in Canada, it will be on Kobo, spelled K-O-B-O, not to be confused with the former Kobo Hall in my hometown of the Motor City. I want to thank each and every one of y'all for supporting this show and everything we do every single week. The party will keep on rolling. Be on the lookout for episode 116 coming up, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Until then, my name is Jay Scott Smith, telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. More information coming soon on the rise of JSC Media. You got to keep it locked right here for that one, though. Until next time, goodbye, everybody, and wear your damn mask. You're listening to the People's Podcast. Hope is not a goddamn strategy. This is JSC Radio. This is a presentation of JSC Media. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always... Lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.